0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. Excited to have my next guest, a friend of the show, we would say, uh, was on the show gosh, a few years ago now in an industry that is moving forward and moving back a little bit in a very cool way and someone who has an opportunity to um, help folks with that. So, Rob Bach, welcome back. I'm excited to be back.
1: It's cool to catch up and uh, see you.
0: Yeah, well, let's maybe... Be helpful to start a little bit about the role you kind of just stepped out of and then introduce your new company that you just founded.
1: Yeah. So um, I was for 14 years, the um, COO for a company called CD Baby here in Portland. Um, They're really well known. If you're a musician, you've definitely heard of them. Um, They've been helping independent musicians get their music out in physical and digital formats up on Spotify for as long as those platforms have existed. Um, So they've been really uh, a key ally in getting independent musicians, helping them to get their music out there and make money from their music. So I left in April of last year uh, and uh, jumped into starting my own music business. So it's gone through several iterations. Originally, it was going to be consignment um, record buying and selling where I could help collectors sell their collections. Everyone wanted me to buy their collections, not consign them. So, okay, we're going to (laughs) do that now. Um, But then uh, really what happened is just kind of watching the industry last year, um, CD Baby chose to focus just on digital distribution and shut down their warehouse end of last year. And that's a huge hole for independent musicians. So as I'm continuing to build my business, I looked at that and said, "Okay, now independent musicians need a trusted partner to get physical fulfillment done. Uh, It's really hard to do alongside your day job and your gigging and touring and whatever else you're doing. So uh, Spinning Media will you know, store your CDs, vinyl, cassettes for just a couple bucks a month. We ship it out to your fans while you're doing your thing. And artists keep 100% of their sales. Uh-huh. So we keep shipping and handling and a subscription kind of per month. Um, that's how the finance works. But what I'm really happy to do is help artists focus on their music and also uh, you know, make the most money they can, which really is in physical and, and touring. Those are the two places where you can make money. It's not on the streaming platforms.
0: Well, let's break that down because I think I saw uh, some research and you can correct me that actually CD sales and vinyl sales are just going up. Right? Is that, yeah. that true? I mean, I mean, obviously, <laughs> Co- yeah, compares, comparatively, but uh, just... I don't know uh, if, uh,
1: if uh, the podcast goes up with visuals. If it does, yeah. you'll see a bunch of records behind me. Yeah. The future really is physical, and it's uh, it's interesting. I've been in the industry since 1987 to really date myself. So the first time I joined, fresh out of high school, um, I was pulling vinyl out of the bins to make room for our CD long boxes. Mm. So they used to come in long boxes to adapt to the record bins that are already in place. So I've seen a lot of changes, all the way from hey, now you can download uh, buying you know downloads and and listen on your you know beginning MP3 players. And moved on to streaming and all these big changes. What's been interesting is over the last couple of years, um, vinyl has continued to kind of come back and grow. It grew 15 percent through uh, like uh, third quarter last year over the prior year and continued to show no no signs of slowing. And then uh, in the UK, CDs had their best year last year since 2004, which predates uh, hmm. iTunes. So. Wow. Yeah, people are, particularly younger people are turning to physical. They want the tangible object. Um, They want to experience the liner notes. They want to share it with friends. They want to hear something in higher quality. They're not moving away from the streaming platforms. That's great for discovery and for portability. But if you really want to sit down and enjoy the music, slow things down a little bit, putting on some vinyl, listen, you know, looking through the lyric sheet, looking at the art and hang out with your friends is cool again. Uh um, so cool yeah again. I'm excited to see it uh, I'm passionate about it and excited to help make it happen for independent artists.
0: So I want to get into that a little more because obviously you and I are the generation where that was all that's how we discovered music yeah. you know just a big part of our life going to you know record stores spending hours you know looking in it so why do you think that is coming uh, there's the part of musicians on the road selling you know their merchandise But the discovery part, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I mentioned a couple of reasons, but...
1: Yeah, there's the fan side and there's the musician side. So really on the fan side, what we're seeing a lot of studies out there now is that Gen Z is kind of overloaded on digital. If you look at the the reports right out of Spotify, there are over 100,000 tracks being added to Spotify every single day. Wow. There's just too much. And it's not that I would ever curtail anybody's creative... Muse, you know, keep uploading to Spotify. But what happens now is, you know, someone will scan through, hear a song, hear a couple songs, figure out that artist, and then go buy their album, go buy their CD. And that's what um, particularly the younger generations are doing again. Um, I have three kiddos. Um, uh, not surprisingly, they all collect records, often from my shelf. <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> we're Jealous of the Birds go? Oh, yeah, that's that's uh, Alex's now. <laughs> Um, But all their friends do the same thing. They uh, they might hear it on streaming. They might hear it from a friend, but they will go get a physical copy. Uh Um, And it's part of that really wanting to have it in your hands. Um, Having been through, you know, sometimes your favorite artist gets pulled off a streaming platform because rights change. That just happens, Mm. you know, for all universal artists on TikTok. Right. There's a bunch of silent videos up there, so the rights on digital can go away. And we have the you know the object in your hand. You get to enjoy it, support the artist, and nobody's gonna take it away from you.
0: So what are the artists doing? um, How are they making the experience special with physical? Now, are they adding additional kind of exclusive things or what are you seeing?
1: Yeah, there's a whole um, bunch of different things. The first thing is not enough artists are doing physical. So when you look at the overall trends, physical's way up, but the independent artist is underrepresented. Mm. So there's also a need to kind of cycle back, come back to physical. Um, which is where they'll make their money. But what I've seen artists who are being really successful in physical doing is really straightforward, kind of simple things. They'll go in and they'll sign some CDs and they'll sell the signed CDs. Um, They'll talk about their shows and the merch table. They'll hang out and be able to meet their fans. All those kinds of fan engagement, even just signing the CDs, is really important It makes it special for your fans. Um, So that's where I really have seen people be successful uh, who are making that experience just a little bit different.
0: And when we get, to, I know you're not involved in the production of the, of like records and CDs, but how is that? I mean, how many folks are still out there offering musicians the ability to do that, to, to you know, make
1: what's musical? fascinating to me is, um, and I was just talking with a gentleman on Monday who's working with record presses. And, uh, he was telling me like record capacity is as good as it ever was in the seventies. Wow. Uh, there were a bunch of new pr- plants that came online and they're not even just dusting off old equipment. They're building new equipment. They're moving in some cases to uh, kind of uh, environmentally cleaner plastic away from PVC Mm. vinyl to make records. There's this movement in creating capacity. So back in the pandemic, if you were um, an independent artist and you wanted to get your record made, uh, you had a twenty-six week lead time. You had a really expensive product. It was probably fifteen to twenty bucks to get it, and then you might be displaced anyway by major artists coming in and just eating up all the production. That's completely changed now. So now I'm hearing lead times of 10 to 12 weeks, and I'm hearing um, prices for per vinyl to manufacture it somewhere between eight and 10 bucks, um, Hmm. which is pretty good. You know, back in the 1990s, you were talking two to $3 for each piece of vinyl. So adjust for inflation, almost there. Yeah. Um, So it's really interesting to see the capacity there. I've gotten some fantastic, uh, really cool pieces of vinyl from local artists. There's this guy Jeffrey Couch. We used to call him Chairman. I worked with him at CD Baby, and he put out some a uh, pink seven inch. So it's colored vinyl, really cool looking, limited edition. And uh, I'm I'm sure he's probably sold out by now because it's just cool. It's a cool way to engage yeah. fans, um, wow. and that stuff's I think really uh, making a difference.
0: Yeah, that's a, so fascinating to me. Like just the the production, very cool to hear that it's. Almost like a renaissance, would you say? Or maybe a different word better, but it's... Yeah, uh, there's a
1: renaissance and there's an appetite. That's the cool yeah. part is that fans are coming back to physical. It's like, oh, I used to listen to this on, you know, whatever the digital platform was and it's disappeared, but they don't have all the songs. Uh, so people are finding uh, physicals really, the you know, a great experience. So yeah, the, the capacity is there for manufacturing and fans are coming back to the format. And now we need all independent artists to come back because they're having a tough time making money off of streaming, so yeah, that is part of the mission.
0: okay, well, let's dig into the business a little bit and the business you you know you talked to the top when we started about kind of the model mm-hmm. how um and you're been in this industry a long time when we talk about independent musicians. So what are some of the things you're doing to get in front of them and kind of evangelize your business? I'm just curious how that world works and you know marketing wise.
1: Yeah, marketing-wise, uh, I'm starting kind of with the industry folks. So there was a lot of like, hey, d- doesn't this make sense? This makes sense, right? Um, got a lot of nods, a lot of people uh, offering to come on board and help out. Um, okay. I've got one of my uh, former coworkers, workers uh, Joel Andrew, is pitching in as a, a founding partner. Um, so nice. he's been helping kind of push this out. And together, we're hitting up musicians directly here in Portland. And then um, also doing outreach through uh, things like a DIT, Do It Together conference in Canada. Mm-hmm. I was on a panel last week talking to you know, 30, 40 musicians there and just kind of letting uh, people know this is coming and kind of starting that organic, like checking in, making sure we're fitting what they need, uh, but also letting them know that, uh, you know, join our mailing list and, and it's coming soon.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know me, my background, I could just see how the business is also will be an avenue to create community around this renaissance of physical goods and, and merch. So I think there's like a good opportunity there, but also needed potentially.
1: Yes. Needed. And it feels uh, for lack of a better word, virtuous in the sense that like artists, it's frustrating. You're, you're making micro pennies on your streaming.
0: Micro pennies.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 truly micro pennies. Like it's, it's, you know, 0.0012 of a, of a cent. Um, yeah. to, for a particular stream. And if you don't hit a thousand streams per year, you're not making any money under some new rules at Spotify. Mm-hmm. So I think musicians have gone through this process of it used to be all physical. Then it was downloads. Well, I'm not making as much money, but people like downloads and now it's streaming and like I'm making even less money or no money. Like, ah, something's not right here. Let's start back at the beginning. So I mm-hmm. really appreciate being part of a way to help uh, musicians make money from their music. And in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. And then on the fan side, it's just so exciting to see fans coming in to support the musicians. You know, um, I've had, even over the last decade, musicians come in, uh, make their name on YouTube as YouTube personalities, put out an album, offer to sign every copy, and sell like 40,000 plus copies and hit the wow. billboard charts um, just because of that fan engagement. So, that doesn't happen for every musician. Yeah. You might be starting with your 10 fans, your friends, family, a couple people you grew up with. That's okay. You're still going to need physical for your gigs. You're going to want to have a partner like us to help make it easy to fulfill, um, your, you know, CDs or vinyl or even cassettes. We should talk about cassettes in a second.
0: Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. I would. Uh, so,
1: yeah. Cause like, if you're at that level, you're, uh, you've got a day job, you've got all this other stuff going on. So, yeah. um, I really want to be a partner in the space to help musicians connect with their fans.
0: Well, let's talk about cassettes because I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even honestly, didn't even think about that. I mean, do do people even know what cassettes are? Like these kids, like... They do and they're it. buying them. So one of the things <laughs> I'm not
1: seeing in the industry stats yet, but I've been seeing the labels. There's some labels that are doing cassette only releases and yeah. they're selling out. Um, I joke they should sell they should send the cassette with a number two pencil because maybe the <laughs> youngest generation doesn't know how that goes. But yeah, cassettes are are back. Um there are articles in the new industry press about like, hey, picking a cassette player, here are our five favorites. So people are manufacturing cassette players again. It's it's really interesting because again, I think the cassette if you think about where cassettes came from, it was mainly about your car and your cassette yeah. deck, right? pre-cd that was the way that was the portable format that was our streaming platform you know yeah. you go buy a cassette you stick it in you record something yourself so to see it coming back around again as like ooh, this is really cool it looks neat i like the way the j card works and uh obviously they have known nothing about a number two pencil and how you have to have that alongside the cassette <laughs> right. um, but for those people also to be buying new cassette players it's just
0: fascinating so who i mean i mean talk about production and who still makes cassettes there's got to be one company that does it or is there is that also yeah, I like-
1: yeah i haven't dug them down but as much i certainly know yeah. there's good cd capacity there's good vinyl capacity now um i imagine some people are dusting off their uh you know cassette reproduction decks and things like that yeah to help make this happen too so i think cassettes are far behind cds and cds are somewhat behind vinyl as far as the resurgence goes but mm. all of them are growing um, and as a group, both physical and direct to fans, selling direct to your fans is increasing as a way to do business. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, you know, uh, streaming on a platform or selling on a major retail site is about having that connection with your fan.
0: Yeah. Um, so as far as like your business, you mentioned you're going to be physically warehousing them and you're, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and right now, I assume it's just kind of space you have available, but the goal would be because when CD Baby that used to have big physical warehouses, right? But.
1: Yeah, we had you know in the last one, 17,400 square feet, um, about sixteen thousand that was storage, and uh, so that is the direction that I'm headed with spinning media as well. Um, hmm. So that's that's the big step, right? So yeah, yeah, I know on paper this all works. I know there's interest. I know the trends are good. We're running pilots and getting great feedback from the pilots. So, you know, Gulp, now we need to figure out how much warehouse space we're going to go get to start. Um, yeah. You know, we can start in 10,000 square feet, fill that up with our subscription model, provide really good service for artists and for fans, and then go get some more warehouse. Um, so that's that's kind of how it, it pencils out.
0: Oh, Rob, you got me excited. I mean, then you're going to have to do a pop-up like record store too, right?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I'd love to do that. One of the things I love and I learned in the early phase of building this business was that customer and kind of fan contact is amazing. So, like I had said, I think earlier in the show andor in our pre show, you know, I started this as buying and selling Muse Final before the space changed and there was a need to do a new product for independent artists. And so I've been shipping out, buying and shipping out these, these, uh, You know Doors albums and first Grateful Dead album and a bunch of my New Wave collection and stuff like that that I used to DJ to, and I'm getting calls. You know, people are finding out finding my phone number and give me a call just to say, "Hey, thanks! I've been looking for this album forever, and you shipped it in great condition. I'm so happy to have it. I've been looking for it for years. Um, So that's been really fun and that engagement with, in my case, kind of the stores fans." is exciting and i really want to bring that over and replicate that for independent musicians yeah it's so cool to have that that direct feedback from fans like i love this this is awesome thanks so much
0: yes i mean there's few places that comes out anymore I, i i feel like um obviously music makes a lot of sense but maybe sports
1: but this is where you start thinking like algorithms and ai right so, the, mm. the broad movement is almost depersonalization. Like, oh, the computer can do it for you. Is that one-to-one connection that I think um, the younger generation is really seeking when they're looking for tactile, physical media. And that, mm. um, that interaction with their favorite artist. And mm-hmm. it's missing.
0: It's missing. And it's interesting. I um, you know My son's eight. And I just look at the content he wants to watch. I mean, he's very into video games. mm mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is any parent knows uh, it's a constant battle a little bit, but what he enjoys the most most is watching people, you know, play the game and commenting and, and, and in a way, like I get it because it is that kind of engagement and that interaction. And it's like, it's in a weird way, social. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I guess what I'm trying to get to is that, people even his kids his age that cuts through even if it's a different medium it's youtube or, or whatever that at the core really that that engagement part um is interesting to to see it's really what people want
1: yeah and uh, i'll break the news to you i have my oldest uh, son is 22 and still watching those playthroughs and speedruns yeah. So yeah. sorry, it might, might be <laughs> on the table for a while. Yeah, no, I think um, so. But yeah. yeah, I think part of that is the connection with a personality, a YouTuber, a community. You can talk with people in the comments. Uh, my son's, you know, particularly uh, during the pandemic, spent a lot of time on his headset with his friends playing video games mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, we're still social creatures. We still want to connect, yeah. even if it's through technology or doing a technological thing like playing a video game. You still want to play with somebody else if you can. Mm -hmm. And in the music space, you still want to experience it with your friends. And it sounds better on vinyl and or on CD. Uh, So I think there are a lot of uh, kind of commonalities among those things. And that the we're social people. We want to connect.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, Rob, uh, I'm super excited for you. And where can folks learn more about your company and kind of follow along?
1: Yeah, I would love for people to jump on our website and join our mailing list because we're going to be rolling out so many cool features and just kind of building this. And you can all watch us both build a business and be involved in, on mm-hmm. the physical music side. Um, so come out to uh, www.spinningmedia.com. Uh, you can see us there. We also are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can also look me up on LinkedIn uh, under Rob Bach. It, through all those channels I'm happy to chat and again make that connection I think it's, it's great it's, it's, an, it's a blessing to be able to do it
0: yeah well thanks so much Rob uh, we'll have to check back in here in a little while to see how it's going appreciate it the PDX executive podcast is a production of ThatCast a Portland Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. you can learn more at thatcast.com and please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well Oh,